This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Always a pleasure to welcome you in. A little bit tight today, unfortunately, because of the recording time. I'm recording this at 2.17, just before the K-Show. But uh, kids had the day off. We went to go see Mr. Ray. It's a long story. And I got back quick, um, a lot later than I wanted to. But I wanted to make this announcement that um, starting Monday, we're going to have EJ Raddick on every Monday, as you know. But starting Monday, Anthony Pusick is going to graduate from producer of Game Misconduct to producer slash host of Game Misconduct. He is a contributor. He is a huge hockey fan. And I just think that it's time for him to be able to contribute to more than just you know throwing in his token lines or, hey, what did you think about those Rangers last night? He's as in-depth knowledge-wise as I am, and it only makes sense that he's involved in this. And if you go back to the infancy of game misconduct, way back when we did it, God, probably 10 years ago, um, it all started with, um, with Jeff Candelmo. Um, and and I doing game misconduct together, and he kind of produced it, and he chimed in, and then RJ, we kind of chime in, Anthony chime in, but we have never had an official co-host to the show, so I know, Anthony, you've got a lot on your plate, but hopefully uh, this is something that you're kind of looking forward to, to be able to be more than just a background guy to kind of jump right in and throw your knowledge of hockey around the podcast. Well, no, I'm excited. Thank you, Don. Um, It's an honor. It's an honor to be a part of this, and for you to think that I have enough knowledge to be able to contribute means a lot. Uh, I love hockey, you know that, and uh, it's my favorite sport, and it's it's something that I enjoy doing with you three times a week, so I'm excited to contribute. Let's get it going. Yeah, we're going to start on Monday, and the reason we're not starting today, quite frankly, is because Anthony's got a meeting to run in like 10 minutes on the case show that I'm going to miss the first part of as I'm recording this, and uh, so otherwise... uh, It'll be official on uh, Monday, but we run he, a tight he, ship here. But you know, very, very, very well. We, we run a tight ship because we just use every bit of the clock as we can uh, to try to squeeze our life in as well. Um, you know, the Rangers. I I looked at last night and I said, "Damn, this team's for real." And and, and because and you look at what they've done in the three games without Fox and Heedle and 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 without Chesterkin now. I guess you throw him into the mix. He hasn't played since everybody got hurt in that Carolina game last Thursday. And they've gotten, what, uh, five of a possible six points. And it's not like they're playing nobodies. I mean, Minnesota's a playoff team from last year. Many people are going to be a a playoff team this year, and they got three of a possible four points against them. Uh, so and and they took care of business against the Detroit Red Wing team that was you know at the time second place in the Atlantic Division had a five nothing lead going into the third period, uh, and then you lose quick to boot. So Louis Domingue had to play, but if you look at great teams in the National Hockey League, um, they're less reliant on their goaltenders. And I thought about this. I don't know if Anthony thought about it at all um, during the course of that game or even just during the course of the year. Uh, the last great season the Rangers have had in recent vintage was two years ago, first year of Gerard Gallant, in which they flirted with winning the division, finished in second, um, and then w- went to the conference final, eventually losing in six games to Tampa. If you look at that season in totality, they relied very much on the Vesna Trophy winning Igor Shosturkin. There were a lot of games they were outplayed. Shesterkin stood on his head. And I think it kind of masked what was were some holes 
on that team. Shesterkin just played so well. And then eventually it came to roost in the conference final. Could have very easily came to roost when they were, you know, down against Carolina three games to two. It could have very easily came to come to roost the first um, round of that playoffs when they were down three games to one. What if it it was um, it was a Tristan Jari goaltended Penguins team instead of Louis Domingue? What if Sidney Crosby didn't get hurt in game five of that series? You know, would the Rangers have been bounced in the first round? And then last year, they got better. Uh, they got exposed a bit by New Jersey. But sometimes the playoffs are, are kind of a cruel mistress when it comes to really representing what you are as a team. Just ask the Boston Bruins what happened to them last year. But looking at them this year, considering how much better coached they are, how less reliant they are on like spectacular goaltending, Anthony, I think this team is more consistent. The only, the only, the only thing that I will say that maybe you feel is reminiscent of two years ago is you'd like to see them play better five on five, maybe a little bit too reliant on their power play. But watching the game last night, what I saw was a, was was a really, really, really good hockey team that is just. I, I think we have to accept the fact that I don't think they're kind of doing that. It's a charade. There are times where it gets a little overwhelming. There are times that maybe they get out physical, and you saw that in the second period last night against a heavy, wild team that the Rangers jumped on early, outshot them 14-2, and then a roll reversal in the second period, 15-3. But they went toe-to-toe in the third period, and the Rangers came out on top. Wheeler finally scores a goal. Panarin keeps his point streak alive at 13. So I know it's very early. It's only November 10th, and we've only played, what, you know, 12, 13 games of the season here. But... I'm getting a sense, Anthony, that this is a legit Stanley Cup contender. That if they can play this way without Fox and Heedle and get them back and they can make a deal, whether it's Kane or whether it's some other deal for another right winger, uh, I, I, I would I would dare to dream if I were a Ranger fan. Now, you're overly pessimistic, but yes. you, get, you get what I'm saying that look what they did two years ago. I think this is a better hockey team than they were two years ago or even last year, and, and we'll see if I'm proven right as the season wears on. Well, the reason I was so pessimistic, Don, is because I didn't think that Gerard Gallant was the problem. I thought that this core has shown you what how good it could be and where it could go. Um, little did I realize that just the semblance of a system that Peter Laviolette has implemented minus two of their key players in their second-line center in Philip Heedle and a Norris Trophy candidate in Adam Fox, they are playing as good as they did with those guys in the lineup. Vincent Trocek has stepped up to the second-line center spot, and he's done a great job. I think Alexi Lafreniere has been extremely confident all season long. Um, and it's, it's just showing that this system is working for them. And it is, as you pointed out multiple times on this podcast and on the K-Show, the pretty much the same roster outside of Blake Wheeler. Um, and now they're down two goaltenders. Louis Domingue gets a win yesterday. I, I agree with you about the second period, and it seems like the Wild have kind of shown the warts of the Rangers, if there have been any this early on in this season. When there's an aggressive forecheck, they do have a hard time getting out of their defensive zone. They turn the puck over at the blue line a little too much for my liking from time to time, but they have been bailed out by good goaltending. Um, from a team that I thought could miss the playoffs this season, I really did believe that, um, they look like world beaters. And is that going to last all season? No. But keep in mind, and this was pointed out on the broadcast last night, Zabanejad really hasn't gotten going. Kreider's gotten going on the power play, but his line overall has not really generated the uh, production that you think it could 
Uh, if Blake Wheeler gets himself going here, Will Cooley has had a nice start to his season. Uh, the sky's the limit for this yeah. team. The only thing you wonder is he hasn't gotten much out of Kako, but he made the move. Uh, he made the move to drop him to the third line. We'll see if that ends up working. It's worked so far in the couple of wins that they have gotten since making that move. But he hasn't been crazy like Gallant. That The second that they have a poor game, everybody's getting shuffled around. Um, and so far it's worked, I think, with you know, moving Wheeler and Kako. We'll see how long he sticks with that. But overall, I, I just because I'm reading Carpy's book, and, and Carpy did a great job um, and if you haven't gotten the book yet, we had him on the franchise, uh, a curated history of the New York Rangers from 79 until recent, of just how much a facade two years ago ended up being. Um, not that it wasn't a great season and, and not that they didn't deserve to be there, but you know, sometimes the special teams, sometimes um, tremendous goaltending can mask what you really are. And I think it's beyond that now. I, I see a team that functions a lot better beyond the special teams and beyond the goaltending. Look, they've, they've won games with three different goaltenders. You know, that's kind of what the league has now become, less reliant on the goaltending. And, and to flip the page to what's happening with the Islanders right now, you know, Sorokin is a world-class goaltender. You can make a case that he's the best goaltender in the NHL. It doesn't matter if you don't score. It doesn't matter if your team in front of you isn't playing the consistent hockey that needs to be played. The Islanders, another bad third period last night, got outshot 17-9, to outscored, giving up three goals in that third period, uh, 3-1, they end up losing 5-2. And I listen, I know Boston's one of the best teams in the league, and the game was in Boston, but the Islanders starting to slip a little bit here after a pretty decent start. You know, they find themselves now very average at, at, at five, four, and three, uh, below average when you think about that you, you've played, what, now 12 games and only won five of them, minus five goal differential. Things slipping a little bit. And now don't look now. Here come the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Pittsburgh Penguins go out west, left for dead, four and six. They've now won a couple of games in a row. Got a big win last night against the Kings, 4-3 in overtime. That was huge. Sidney Crosby again contributing. Now has seven goals. Rust wins it in overtime. He's got seven goals. So you beat the Red Hot Ducks. You beat the Red Hot Kings. So the Islanders need to be kind of careful here. You know, Penguins got off to a brutal start, but they're starting to find themselves. The Islanders struggling a bit. So I, I would keep an eye on that one. Another team that that I'm I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, are the New Jersey Devils. Yes, they on the road playing without Hughes, but Bissonette brought it up on TNT after their six three loss to Colorado. They're just not defending, you know, and they and they don't have the goaltending to bail them out. So I, I I we just had the conversation that you don't need the great goaltending, but you do if you're giving up, what, 11 odd man rushes they gave up against Colorado in that 6-3 loss? 3-3 came, becomes a 6-3 loss. Now you're playing without Hughes, you're playing without Heeshear, you're at the tail end of a trip, so I'm not going to beat them up, but hey, when you're when you're the Islanders that are making decisions on where they're going to be, the Rangers who want to be a cup contender, everybody loves the Devils, then you're going to be held to a different standard. So you're not you're not the Ottawa Senators or the Buffalo Sabers or you know the, the the Seattle Kraken or even the Vancouver Canucks that are trying to you know make up ground here, surprise some people, and that you can kind of live with the hiccups. You now you're dancing with the big boys, and you're 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 a little too leaky for me, and your goaltending's just not good enough for to be that leaky and expect to start dreaming about the cup because. You can say, well, Don, give him a break. No Hughes, no Heeshear. Their problem is not offense. Their problem is defending. And their problem is 
um, just just trying to do too much to score and then not taking care of the back end, which is still something that you've got to worry about. So uh, those are some of the teams I'm kind of concerned about. Speaking of Colorado, uh, I'm not sure where I stand with the Avalanche right now. They were what were they five six and zero to start the season. And they've kind of been up and down now recently. Now, listen, they're still 8-4, and four, but, you know, that, that awful loss to Vegas uh, last night um, ended up uh, dropping a, a decision to the Kraken, giving up um, th- uh, four goals on 22 shots. Uh, not what you expect. I know you probably watched this game, Anthony, last night, and... I did not because I have kids and I passed out and I wanted to watch it because I because you know what's interesting uh, I I I wanted to stay up and watch the Oilers and the Sharks. I know people were making fun of it, but I I'm I'm interested to see where this Oilers team's going. Now, I'm sure you watched and I, you know I checked the highlight. They did have 41 shots on goal. Like so is this one of those nights where listen, they were the better team. Uh if the if the goaltending wasn't great again for the Sharks and that's back-to-back games in which they've gotten some really good goaltending. Blackwood was terrific in the last two games in which the San Jose Sharks have won. So give them a break. They were 0-10-1 to start the season and back-to-back games pretty much solely on Blackwood standing on his head. So I don't want to beat up the Oilers too much, Anthony, but at the same time, you're just not winning games. You're digging yourself a hole. It's going to be impossible to get out of. Look, I mean, you've got five points in twelve games. You have minus 19 goal differential. You're bad. No, Don, you got to kill them. I know that they didn't necessarily play a bad game and that Blackwood stood on his head. But, I mean, you're losing to the San Jose Sharks. This is a team that couldn't find a win before this week. And you're a team that's struggling. You, They now have the same amount of points as the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. So we can't we can't sit here and say, you know, it's just one bad game. Yes, but it's, it's a cascading level of bad games for this team. And I don't know if you happen to know this. Did you see what happened to Jack Campbell last night in the AHL, who they waived? Yeah. <laughs> he gave up four goals last night? Yeah, not good. And sporting an 800 save percentage yeah, in the AHL. I mean, this that, is. Yeah. I know they have Drysaddle. I know they have McDavid. I know they have Ekholm. But once you get past that, um, you know, I, I know. Yes, Kane has his moments. But this is a team that is not very deep. Doesn't appear to be clicking on all cylinders for sure. And I don't know if you saw the. Um, we're gonna need John Boy on it. The lip reading when Woodcroft was walking off the uh, ice last night. He said that might be it. And yeah. his assistant said, "Yep." Well, uh, I don't yeah, know if I he think, said that. Well, but um, the thing is, is that um, Jay Woodcroft is in all kinds of trouble, and I, and I and I understand that they've had recent success. And when you take a look at what they were, even when Connor McDavid got there, they didn't go to the playoffs for the longest time since '06, and you know, two years removed from a conference final. Gullickson's a guy that has head coaching experience in Calgary. So if they wanted to make a move, you've got a guy that can be the interim. Ken Holland is not going to sit on his hands and watch what could be a season that could be fun or should be fun with the talent they have here go by the boards because they're they're dangerously close now to getting hot and it just not being enough. There's a reason why we talk about American Thanksgiving as being the turning point. You can't make up the ground after Thanksgiving. Once you start playing 20-plus games – it's really difficult to make a move. And you, when you're one of the worst teams in the league, and I get it, the Blues did it a couple of years ago. They were the worst team in the National Hockey League on, on, on the new year and came back and won the Cup. But what happened? Coaching change, goaltending change. Like they made significant changes to be able to make up. 
Edmonton might be able to make up the ground. And if you're telling me Skinner being the starter is one move, but Jay Woodcroft is not going to survive. He's not. If unless they just get something significantly changed, they've got experience behind the bench with him, with Gullickson. He's coached in Alberta before. He's coached obviously in that division. So if I were Jay, I would say that uh, life is not too long in Edmonton uh, for him. Kraken, uh, Islanders, Kraken. Next three games, you need to get five points. I don't know how you do it. I don't know they will. I'm I don't lost, know how you but... do it, but. The Kraken are not world beaters this year, 5-6-3. and three. We know, we've know we heard and seen the Islander struggles. You talked about it earlier. To get yourself out of a 2-9-1 and one start, yeah, that's you need good. you need to get to 10 points but, by the but, next you know, games. But it's like, for people that listen to the Michael K show, they'll get this. Um, oh, well, you know, what the, look at the Giants' schedule. Look at the Jets' schedule. Well, there, there are teams that look at oh, that I and hear say, you. this is where we have a chance to win. <laughs> like, so I'm sure the Kraken, coming off a big win, are licking their chops of beating of, of taking on Edmonton. The Islanders, who have been struggling, go, well, at least we got Edmonton coming up. Right, so when you're, when you're literally tied with the Sharks, the worst team in the NHL, does it matter the, the talent you have on the ice? Do not tell me that the loss of McDavid for whatever those four or five games has anything to do with where they are it, it is not it is not can't this, be losing the way they're losing they're just, just uh, it's not good not not good all right it's friday let's do our top five of the week don lagreca's friday top five yeah! number five well we're gonna have to dive right into despite the loss last night let's take a good look at those los angeles kings the forgotten team of the pacific if you will all the talk about you know two years ago was calgary last year was edmonton vegas gets talked about all the time and certainly deservedly so winning the stanley cup but there sits the los angeles kings kopitar a resurgence their goaltending has been great eight two and three to start the season plus 16 goal differential i love the los angeles kings at number five Number four. Number four, those Vancouver Canucks. You know what? They probably should be even higher, but I'm going to keep them at four, and I'll tell you why for in a second. 10-2-1, plus 33 goal differential. Ready for this? Best goal differential in the National Hockey League, the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, them. And it's just not Demko. It doesn't matter who's between the pipes for them. It's working for them. JT Miller, that makes Ranger fans sick, but he's a flat-out star. They're a good young team, Don. Good young team. Flat-out star. Uh, Quinn, Hughes, flat-out star. Uh, This is is a... I love Vancouver. I love their team. I hate their uniforms. I wish they would go back to the ones that uh, even before uh, 94 when the Rangers beat them, when they used to wear those um, yellowish-orange ones at home. Not the V. Not the V. No. Between the V and the ones they wore with Trevor Linden. Got it. Take uh, And Pavel Bore. Gorgeous uniforms. Great city. Big Canuck guy, me. Um, I am going to go with Vancouver at number four. Number three. The reason I'm giving the Rangers number three, not because I'm not, I'm their announcer and I collect a paycheck from MSG, but because they've, got, they've gone through their injuries and have not missed a beat, and they beat Vancouver head-to-head. So that was the split for me, even though the records are the same and the goal differential is way much in favor of Vancouver. 
considering no Fox, considering no Heedle, considering no Igor Shosturkin over the last three, and still 2-0-1 in that span, considering the fact that the Rangers have had to play so many games on the road to start the season, that's why I have the face-off go to the Rangers. I've got them at number three. Number two. I am going to go with the Boston Bruins, even though they've played one less game than Vegas, and even though they're... Um, I agree they, with this. I, 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 there's a lot of it. Vegas is better, and 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 Boston is a terrific team. They've survived the, the whole McElroy thing, which uh, McAvoy thing, which Bettman held up the suspension. But right, Swayman's been unbelievable. He has really been terrific, and that just makes this team dangerous. Believe me, this last last year was a fluke, guys. It just happens. They lost a series to open. It just it it happens. All right, you saw what the Panthers were last year. All right, it just happens. This Boston team is very, very good. You don't go from being historically good in the regular season, lose in the first round, and then go right back to 11-1-1 to start the next season. No, 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 no. This is a legit team, and I've got them at two. Number one. In Vegas, you can make the case, Don, why not Boston? Um but I Vegas they're interchangeable better. at this point. Let's be honest. of course they are. And and listen, the record technically is better. Vegas has won. Vegas has played one more game and lost it. But they got off to such a terrific start, and they are just terrific in every sense of the word. Without really having a true, true super superstar player, you want to say Eichel can be or will be or is a superstar? Fine. But they're exceptionally well coached. They're a machine. All right, they had a bit of a hiccup, obviously, what happened with the with the Ducks giving up the four goals in the third period. So they've looked a little looser here over the last couple of games. So we'll see if that kind of affects their standings uh, next Friday. But that's what I'm going to go with. So I've got Vegas uh, at number Who are you one. taking out? Don, you know what's unbelievable? What is it? The Kings are 7-0-0 on the road, 1-2-3 yeah. at home. That is, that is weird. I don't know why that would be the case other than just like one of those things. Might have to break it down to see. But uh, it, it is strange that it would be that good on the road as opposed to home. Let's squeeze him. A couple of tweets before we get out of Dodge. Uh, St. Rangers says, happy with the Rangers so far. I'm, I'm curious, why do 20 and 93 continue to get a free pass for f- poor goal production on 5-on-5? Five five? It seems that 24 or whoever the third man on the line gets moved around. Why not break up the two of them? It- I heard your sigh. Uh, well, what do you, I mean, I come on. What I, even know what you're I hear you. I understand. But how much better could this team possibly play at the present moment? Yeah, I, I, I understand that what is advantage I'd still only have two goals. And what is Kreider at nine with six on the power play, something like but that? But what are you going to do, Don? Are you going to put Kreider on no. the third line and move Will Cooley up to the first line with Sabanajad? No, I don't know what you're going to do. You're not why messing with the Panarin line. Why would you, first of all, there's a chemistry there. They're getting opportunities five on five. Uh, Zabanajad has got a ton of points assisting. Uh, the whole team needs to be better five on five. Nobody's really overly producing five. I'm not messing with those two. They're trying, they're, they're, basically, it was about Kako's lack of production. They put Wheeler up there. He's produced Wheeler. I thought, I thought Lafreniere put it best is that. Wheeler's not used to playing on a third line. His whole career, he's been a top six forward. Let He wasn't getting any points. Let's move. And he scores his first goal last night. I'm not going to freak out about it. But Both of them will be huge by the time the season ends anyway. And as Anthony said, you're off to, you know, you're 10-2-1 to start the season. You're not hurting for goals at all. Let's not get crazy. Look at it as a positive. Sabanajad is going to play better. 
Now, I don't know. Kreider's funny. We, you know, we all fall in love with his last two seasons, the 52 goals, and what did he have, like 35 last year or whatever. I mean, he is what he is. I mean, I think he's probably closer to a 30-goal scorer than a 50-goal scorer. That's fair. Quite frankly. But you can't knock the production he has on the power play. Clearly, there's chemistry between Zabanajad and Kreider on the PP, so why, why would you mess up, up with the top line? This, I don't know the answer to. Okay. So maybe Anthony does. We should definitely ask it then. All right. Tommy P says, when a skater pulls the puck off the goal line from go, uh, going in like Clayton Keller did the other night, does he get credit for a blocked shot or does the goalie get credit for a save? Now, the goalie doesn't get credit for a save because it's technically not. Now, this not, is off a shot? Yeah, this is so off a shot. <sighs> Goaltender doesn't get credit for the save. I'm guessing if there's a statistic for it, it would be blocked shot. See, I, but, but, but if you pull it like with your glove. Now, obviously, if it hits you, it's a blocked shot. But if it's in in the, it's, if it's rolling towards the net and you pull it away, is it possible there's no statistic for it? I, it I, it's not going to be a block shot. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch the the Arizona game and count the blocks. I can't imagine Keller has a lot of block shots to begin with. Uh, the thing is, it's not. It's, and it wouldn't even go down as a shot on goal because there was no save. So it's so, essentially and, just a, a clearing of the puck from a position yeah, on the ice. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's probably a, a statistical anomaly, but I don't think it deserves to be a block shot because it wasn't blocked, technically. Uh, interesting. Steve Brzezinski chimes in. Has Cooley been the most surprising improvement, um, improvement rookie this season? And how many points can Panarin, knowing his streak can't be sustained, but boy, it's fun to watch him play relax this year? Based on, uh, with Cooley, what are we, based on who? The whole I, league? I, yeah, I mean... I mean, listen, did I think he would be as good as he's been so far? No. I was surprised he made the team. Agreed. So I thought uh, Othman had a better chance I, of making it I can't it than sit here and he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. I mean, I mean Connor Bedard had a four-point night tonight, yeah, uh, last Connor night, Bedard, I should yeah, say. He's so. a, he, it's amazing what, what he's done. And that, that, was a, that was a nice win, by the way. It was a nice win. For Chicago over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good job bringing that up. Um, but, you know, Panarin, it's now 13 now. Um, and he's one away from tying the team record for for consecutive points to start a season, which is just kind of a fun, you know, Tonka truck kind of stat. It really doesn't mean a lot, but it, it's good that he's playing as well as he is, and I, I give Peter Laviolette a lot of credit for um, for getting more out of Based Panarin. on how he plays, Don, it could mm-hmm. go on for whether it be a power play point or just the way that line is playing. Columbus, I'm sure that he could find... He always plays well against Columbus. He can muster a point against them on Sunday. The Devils, if the Devils are playing well and defensively, if they get shut out... Basically, if the if the Rangers are being shut out, right. I would say well, that's when the that's when it stops, just well, because I think that if the Rangers are scoring, Panarin's involved somehow. Right, but, but like last night was interesting, right? You're going into the third period. He hadn't scored. And, you know, it's one of those games where you're like, oh, we just came off a period in which we only had three shots on goal... You're not feeling great going into the third period. They're going to win the game, and then he ends up getting an assist on what ended up being the game winning goal and then scoring himself. So it ended up being nothing. But he, honestly, outside of last night, I don't remember there being any time where it's been in jeopardy. You know, the Rangers have gotten off to really good starts. You know, he seems to get the point out of the way. 
So I don't even think he's thinking about it, quite honestly. Big note coming out of Pittsburgh, Don. Yes. Yarmir Yager's number 68 will be retired on February 18th. Interesting. Now, I, 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 thought, I thought about this in closing, Anthony, since we were talking a lot about the Rangers today, as we usually do, and I apologize to anybody who's not a Ranger fan, but um, you, you play the hits. Uh, just about my whole thing with Kreider and, and, and his number being retired. Has it ever been thought about? To retire Yager for the Rangers? Of of Yager? My knee-jerk is no, because he didn't spend a lot of time there, but I just keep thinking about, like in defense of Kreider, like there's only been four players to score 50 or more goals, and three of them, uh, and, and two of them, have their number retired. You know, like... He he was he's he would I think Kreider's eventually will be but of the, of the unactive players he's the only one not to have his number retired I mean when you really and, and I know all those guys um, from '94 are going to get serious consideration to get their number retired because they won the cup but are you going to tell me that uh, that Adam Graves is a better player than Yarmir Yager? No, he uh, certainly not. It just no, means more to the no, franchise. No, it means more to the franchise because of the cup. But let's not forget. You know, one of the reasons that um, the Rangers were able to buck everybody's, all the trends, and, you know, Sports Illustrated, they're going to finish the worst record in, in hockey coming out of lockout, was Jager. And and his 54-goal season, and he should have won a Hart Trophy. He was robbed of it. Joe Thornton got it. He did not deserve it. Yarmir Jager deserved it. Uh, and 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 he was he was really he was out he was an outstanding boy. Now he's in the Hall of Fame because of what he did in Pittsburgh and what he did elsewhere, and, and certainly accumulated a lot of points. But he was a great Ranger, he really was. And when you look at the guys' numbers that are up there, not all of them spent their whole career with the Rangers. So if you took the cup away from Adam Graves, he wouldn't get his number retired. Now that's a big thing to take away from. But I'm probably cool with it not being retired. But I, I kind of thought about that. And then when you said that the Penguins are going to retire his number, but I, they probably won't do it. But um, kind of just interesting. My baseline is this: if Brad Park's number hasn't been retired, well, um, I, that I don't get. Which I, is I, I, which is what I've been. Which is kind of what I said when you brought up Kreider. I think it was last year you started this dialogue. Um, if Brad Park's number is not retired, I can't imagine somebody else's is. But hey. Um, strange well, things. Listen, have I think Park should be retired again. I don't know the logistics of what happened. I, I you know, it, it's it was a it was a bad divorce. I know, but he's been welcomed back since then. Um, I don't know. There's nobody around anymore with this current organization that was a decision maker back when he played here, or for many of the years after he retired. So I don't know what the issue would be. They did go back in time, if you remember. With uh, Harry Howell, oh yeah. Uh, so they, so they, they have done it. It's Took like, them long like, enough oh, for the gag line. I mean, look, yeah, we, we've right. had our. Vic Hatfield had to wait a long time to get his number retired. Um, Howell and Bathgate had to wait a long time to get their numbers retired. So I don't know why they can't go back and 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 certainly they they mended the fences with Rattel. They can certainly do it with Park, but um, more important people and the higher minds and smarter people have to make those decisions. But thank you, everybody, for participating. Thank you to Anthony Pusick, EJ Raddick. will join us coming up Monday. More Anthony coming up Monday as well. Want to hear from me during the weekend? All you got to do is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Have fun this weekend. Enjoy. We'll be back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.